Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. Yep. Basically, we're just a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about magic, in particular, the online client MTG Arena. And boy, do we have some things to talk about this week. Whew. You know, here on the Arena Regulars, we never get uh, magic news the day we record because, well, whenever they announce new things, we tend to have recorded the night before and they do Mm -hmm. it every single time and we just never changed our recording schedule. So uh, this time we had to change it for other reasons. So we lucked out. We got some some hot new new gossip to talk about. True like magic players where we record on the same day every week and it always came out the day after the important news, and we're like, oh, it's Wizards' fault. Come on, Wizards. Come on, Wizards. Don't you know anything? So unlucky. We got unlucky again. Again. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, before we talk about that, uh, each episode, we both bring a beer. We drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right. This week, we have Storm Chaser. You know, October's getting started here, so I thought... A nice dark beer is what we needed. This is a black IPA from Lake of Bays Brewing Co. It's 5.9%. And uh, yeah, the can is what looks to be a crazy storm. And there's like a canoe that's trying to ride these dark waves. So that's a that's a serious storm chaser there. Yeah, uh, it's a canoe where the oar is in a different wave and a different part of yeah. the uh, storm. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. I'm excited for this. You don't get to see a lot of black IPAs. That's uh, it's a nice. I like seeing that. It's a style that I enjoy, but uh, I guess is not why it does, hasn't uh, achieved widespread popularity. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we have some magic news. <sighs> All right. So uh, let's start with the non-arena things and then go into arena stuff. Um as you should know, this is Magic's 30th anniversary this year. Hooray! Um, they do one of those things where the game came out in 93, but it's 2022. And so they're, they're celebrating for the whole year until um, 2023. Anyway, so everything's kicking off later this month, and they just announced that there will be a new product that you can buy. As always, there's always new products. But this is... The 30th anniversary edition of Magic the Gathering. And, uh, well, Jeff, do you want to give us a little bit of uh, the notes on what this 30th anniversary edition is? I can try. So, Zach just told me about this before the show. I still don't totally understand it. So, this is a set. Essentially, it's a full-blown set of cards that are curated uh, selection from Magic's past. The back is... a picture of black lotus it says magic the gathering 30th anniversary edition and it's like gold border so most important thing is to note is like these aren't quote unquote like real magic cards they're not like legal magic cards you couldn't Mm -hmm. take them to a uh event that is not casual like a any sort of event really and play them Mm -hmm. um but by doing that, they get to print some cards that they would otherwise not be allowed to print for various reasons. For example, Black Lotus itself is indeed in the set. Um, looks like there's two versions. One is like updated artifact frame, 
wah, wah. But then there's the old school sick artifact frame. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, and even with like old font and templating and stuff, like looks like they just didn't know how big the text box was and stretched the text all the way to the end of the text box for some reason. You know, stuff that like I think is really cool because it actually is a relic of Magic's age. Only thing is you'll see a gold 30th edition uh, set symbol, so you'll know that even if you're looking at the front, you know, you'll know it's not real. And just and just to jump in, so um, it's not actually, I don't think it's curated from all of Magic's past. It's really just like beta, like alpha, beta, unlimited, that kind of thing. It's all those oh, interesting. cards. Um, so that's why we have Black Lotus. It has the box and it has the OG duels. Um, and uh, they come in packs. So they're randomized packs. Uh, each one contains 15 cards. There are uh, 13 that are in the modern frame, which includes one rare, three uncommon, seven commons, and two basic lands. There is one basic land that's in a retro frame, one token, and one additional retro frame card. Now, this seems cool-ish, right? It's like, okay, what a fun little product you can get that's like essentially wizards making proxies and that's what a lot of people are talking about online hey wizards is making proxies um because you they're non uh tournament legal so that's basically what a proxy is <sighs> the thing is that uh the the price tag for this <laughs> it's uh it's a quite it's mighty big it's quite a big price tag i gotta say whatever number you, if you haven't heard it whatever number you, the listener is thinking of at the price per pack here mm-hmm. I, i'm pretty sure it's higher yeah so the it, it, co- it only comes in a box of four packs all right four packs you know we we know that recently wizards has been giving us a bunch of vip collectors double masters whatever things that seem really expensive but um i mean i'm gonna buy eight right that's like a booster box 32 packs yeah exactly uh, and then you can draft um yeah exactly <laughs> Jeff, how much how much is a box of four packs for this uh, this edition? Four packs of Magic 30th Anniversary Edition will run you nine hundred and ninety nine U.S. dollars. <sighs> what? What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, wow! I just so there is a lot of hot takes about this product. And I just wanted to quickly jump through it. It's it's it doesn't really matter to us because we're arena players, uh, so we kind of get to look at it and laugh because like I'm there, there's no way I'm buying this. There's not even a little part of me yeah. that like is thinking. I wouldn't have bought this if it was nine dollars and ninety nine cents. It's a bunch of proxies. I don't know. Just wait. That's what they actually meant, and then it was they accidentally <laughs> forgot to put a decimal point. <laughs> yeah. and everybody's like oh my god it's a thousand dollars packs of random proxies <laughs> it, it's hard to talk about um i'm just trying to figure out the person who wants this besides the actual collector um which makes sense um i guess commander players if they want to have proxy versions of og duels and and you want like nice proxies that you yeah. maybe can't like create at home because wizard's going to do a better job printing a proxy than you are with your hp inkjet that's true but um but yeah besides that uh you can't really play these in legacy tournaments so you know there you go um which is kind of the reason you'd want a bunch of these cards i would think so for the most part this just kind of seems like huh what an interesting strange product that has a laughable price uh and moving on um 
that's kind of how I feel about it. So, yeah, I think like for 30th anniversary edition, it would have been cool if it was a little more inclusive of a product because this product is like basically for collectors. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I hope they have systems so that you can only buy a certain amount. Otherwise people are going to buy a ton of them and resell it. And that's like the whole game. Mm. Um, Although at least in this case doesn't really hurt other people because it's not cards they need to acquire. Yeah, it's just a little strange because this is like maybe it's meant to be targeted at their customers who have been, you know, with the game for 30 years and love all these cards. And now's your chance to get your hands on the ones that you uh, foolishly traded in your youth or threw away in your youth. Yeah, Um, or proxied over in your youth yeah oh this proxied over this stupid whatever (laughs) i know a lot of people did that with lion's eye diamond and stuff they're like oh this card fucking sucks right all over it (laughs) oh and i play this when i have black lotus yeah um (laughs) so you know that's kind of where i i feel like i'm at there there is one interesting take that i did here um that it's like hey let's make a product that's super expensive um, and then it's really only for specialty collectors. And then, you know, this isn't going to happen, but it does make it more exciting if you happened to get one of these packs through prizes or some sort of an event, or maybe if they were given to, you know, um, local stores and then they had, Hey, have a big event, give out one pack for the big grand prize or something. That's a way f- of making the, the prize pool very exciting without it really costing the store as much money but I don't think they're going to do that. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things about this that I would like them to have done that they haven't or yeah. won't. Um, but yeah, uh, it's ultimately, I think it's, it, if you are playing right now and you're kind of on the cusp of, Ugh, I don't really like when people play with proxies. This is so frustrating. Why can't people just play with the regular cards? Um, or you're on the other side where you're like, Hey, I just want to proxy everything. This might bring those two camps kind of together, I think. Because if you're playing with somebody who has these cards, yeah, they're official Wizards proxies, um, which is fine. People, I mean, I have some of Flooded Strands. The Flooded Strands I own are Gold Border from one of the championship winning decks, which is one of the times they've printed proxies in the past because they've done this in the past, so that's not uh, outrageous. Um, I would always, you know, try to say, hey, is it okay if I use this? But for the most part, nobody cares. And I hope that this continues a, a casual, hey, doesn't really matter if you have the, the quote-unquote real card. Because we're just... Yeah, and, and I hope I that's know. true. It's just there is like, where's the middle ground of people who mm-hmm. are going to spend $1,000 on their proxies rather than just print them and they look a little worse? Um, I like your point about it. This, they've done this before. It's something I wanted to mention because... A lot of people might not know that because when they did it, it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But they used to like print the decks from the world championship and and sell them for like 20 bucks each. The only thing is they were they had like world championship 2006 back or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you couldn't play them in a tournament and they were gold bordered. So uh, you couldn't get away with like hiding them in sleeves either. They were also signed. Um, well, there's the signature of the oh, player yeah. on the card, which yeah. is in gold. And the signature of the player. And one thing, like I've, my mom bought those for me and my brother when we were really young, and I 
really appreciated that product because, you know, it's something my mom doesn't know how much I'm going to be into the hobby. You know, she's not going to spend a lot of money on something like that. She was able to get for me this deck that's like completely different way of thinking about and playing magic that's like the best deck in the world. And that's clear because it says like world's champion on it. And like, so I know I'm old enough to know like, wow, this deck is, I don't understand this deck, but it's the best one. And I started exploring why, why it's good, you know, like I didn't understand why Flooded Strand is good. It's a land that costs you a life when I mm-hmm. can just play an island or a plains, you know, it's like you have to play with it a bit and you're like, oh, right. I get either though. That is pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it fills my graveyard because I have threshold cards, you know, it's like, oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so that's like really cool when they do stuff like that. But this product definitely not aimed at <laughs> like getting a cheap way to get people into the game. Like, yeah. But I think they products like that could work. It worked on me. So, yeah, uh, they worked on me, too. I mean, <laughs> my I was I was the only one who had one. A friend of mine had bought one of those championship decks and eventually gave it to me. And I remember being like, oh, this is kind of weird. And I didn't understand how the deck worked because it was like Gabriel and the Seif's, you know, Azorius control deck. And I was like, how do you win? <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was just something I kept around. It didn't, like, didn't start you off with an easy one there. Eh? <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but it's one of those things that like, you know, I didn't really play with it. I looked at it. It looked cool. Uh, but I did remember Gabriel and the Seif the whole time, like, throughout every time I look at my cards I would run through those cards again and be like oh yeah that guy and I just eventually remembered his name and then I started watching him and then he became a favorite of mine because I had his deck so those are just kind of some cool personal feeling things and I'm sure people feel personally about a lot of these cards from beta and everything and so having versions that they can hold uh that aren't as crazy expensive would um be really exciting for them but this still feels crazy. The thing expensive. is, these are yeah. crazy expensive. <laughs> I right? said like, that, <laughs> and it's they are yeah. crazy expensive. <laughs> like to get a black lotus on average, how many packs are you gonna have to buy? Like, it's not the average won't be four. I can tell you that you're not probably mm-hmm. gonna get a black lotus on in buying this. Like, this is a a full set of cards here. You're getting four packs. How often do you get the super mythic rare that you're chasing after in four packs? Yeah, it said like. Um, there, there's a higher as fan for like um, uh, the duels, and mm-hmm. so it's like cool. So like I think it, uh, every three out of ten packs you get a duel, but it's like you could open all four of your packs, and it's like Savannah Lions and fucking whatever else is like a terrible rare from from back then. We're like, oh, it's just a creature that's above rate or on rate. Cool. Oh, that's the rare. And sometimes your rares were like lands that weren't even duels. They're just like, oh, it's, it's just an island this time. Like that kind of shit happened yeah. all the time. It was so just be wary. And um, I kind of wish if this was a product that was like the collector's edition that they made in 1993, that was just like, uh, they, I don't think they were gold bordered, but the, the corners weren't rounded. They were like sharp. Uh, so they don't look like magic cards, but they still have all the front and the back and everything. But do a whole set. Oh, you can buy one of them for a bunch of money and you get one of every card. You get the whole set. And you know when you spend $1,000, you get the whole set at least. And this is like mm-hmm. gamble, you know. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, it's for the like you know high end collector. Yeah, uh, who also is willing to gamble to yeah. because that's really what where your money's going is for the resale value, presumably. So it's kind of like uh, I don't know. This to me, it feels similar to like buying and selling art, where it's like the value of the thing is contingent upon the value of the thing. It's mm -hmm. like, it's valuable because people think it's valuable, mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually have any inherent value. So there you go. Anyway, uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this. Uh, are you, are you ready to move on <laughs> away from the 30th oh, anniversary yeah. edition? We, we already spent too long on it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just blew up today and there's a lot of crazy takes, but I think at the end of the day, wizards. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to say. So, a lot of people are saying that no one's going to buy this. Um, pe oh, yeah, people will buy true. this. They're going to buy this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and if you want to buy it, listener, like, hey, just because we're not going to buy it doesn't mean you shouldn't want to yeah. buy it or whatever. Go for it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, everyone else saying, oh, this is not, uh, you know, that's ridiculous for anyone that wants to buy this or whatever. No, there are people that want this. And remember that uh, Magic 30 tickets... The, the most expensive one was like $750, and those sold out in the matter of minutes, if not seconds. I was going to say, this is going to be another crazy click fest to try to get a spot. So, mm -hmm. like, so people love magic and magic-related stuff, and a lot of people have money that they're willing to spend on that. Yeah. Maybe they want it for their high-powered cubes or something. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So... Um, Anyway, that is that. But Jeff, do you want to talk about the most exciting thing for us that we found out today? That was like a little footnote at the bottom of an article that was kind of brushed over, but got me excited. <laughs> yes. So as we predicted, you heard it here first on the Arena Regulars <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Shadows over Innistrad Remastered is coming to Arena and uh, another Explorer anthology. Yeah, that too. Um, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh So we've been talking about this for like two years <laughs> <laughs> um, Well okay so we were talking about it what in Strixhaven So it's like it's going to be two years when this drops Because this is going to drop in 2023 That's true yeah yeah So we were talking about it back when um, uh, Because when we started the podcast, Amonkhet Remastered and Kaladesh Remastered had just come out. And so we're like, Shadows of Innistrad has to be coming out soon, if not this year, mm -hmm. you know. So we were thinking maybe it would come out after Strixhaven, and it didn't. And, and, and then they announced, like, oh, you know, Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, Double Trouble, you know, next fall, two Innistrad sets. We're like, well, come on. Shadows over Innistrad Remastered. Obvious, you'd have to be an idiot not to bring mm -hmm. it out after that. <laughs> So, so they didn't, but now, now they are finally. And, um, there's a little bit of a tie in here. So there are some brothers war, uh, spoilers that are going around. We're not going to really talk about them. Uh, just because I, I don't really want to read them. <laughs> also, I haven't yeah. seen or read them, but, uh, spoiler. The one thing on it is that the Urza and the, um, Mishra cards are like meld cards using that meld ability and if you don't know that comes from shadows of Innistrad. is that the first meld that was the first meld right yeah yeah well uh, well it was in eldritch moon i think just in eldritch moon okay yeah. um and basically it's just two cards uh that when you have both of them on the battlefield and you meet a certain condition 
they flip over and the back is two halves of one card. Uh, and so you just put them together and then it's the giant card. And then there you go. So because Eldritch Moon had this mechanic, they didn't put it into arena yet. But now that Brothers War is coming out with meld cards, we can we can uh, we'll have the technology now, and they'll they'll do it that way. <laughs> that's that's my new reasoning for why it took so long. <laughs> you know, I'm just realizing now that you're talking about this. So I remember I just had like a flash to the Brothers War books, mm-hmm. and I remember Mishra like builds this dragon war machine that he ends up merging with himself to become this like super ultra war machine. So oh. that's got to be it, right? It's got to be Mishra with this like random war machine. Yeah, it's on. And Meld is like the perfect mechanic to, to yeah. encapsulate that. Like that's actually what happens. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Phyrexian dragon engine is what it's called. Dragon engine. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, and then I guess Urza would have to be like the power stones or something. But um, Mishra mm-hmm. was, yeah, just had this flashback of like, the image from that book of him being merged with this big dragon war machine that the Phyrexians essentially built for him. And that's how they complete That's how they completed him. See, look at that. I think, so I know you haven't read, <laughs> read this Mishra card, but you should, uh, cause it's, uh, it, it's cool. Um, anyway, not talking about that, but I did want to quickly talk about, um, these arena things. So <sighs> shadows, I'm just excited to, to again, a set that I didn't draft very much and uh, getting able to draft it on Arena because we're getting a remastered set. And I want them to continue doing this. Even when we get through Pioneer, just keep chugging. Just keep just put all the magic <laughs> all the way back until we can get to the uh, 30th <laughs> anniversary edition cards. <laughs> just just keep putting remastered sets on Arena till we till we get there. Um I mean, that'd be great. They could skip over. They could skip right on over the Eldrazi's. Um, you know, no battle for Zendikar and uh, the worst set of all time, Oath of the Gatewatch. I'd be happy enough with without that. But <laughs> is is Oath really the worst? It can't be the worst. It might be the worst. It's the worst set since I've like been playing like actively. I feel like one, and, of- and that involves like jumps in time. So there might have been some bad ones in between or before. Uh, it's the worst one I've ever played. I feel like one <laughs> that, of the fucking suck. <laughs> one of the Theros ones was not very good. Um, oh yeah, I mean they were all kind of bad. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> I Oath of the Gate Watch was a dumpster. There's even like conspiracy theories that they made it horrible on purpose to like tank uh, modern because they wanted to like pave the way because it's like that's too ingrained old school community they wanted to pave the way for new stuff by tanking water i don't believe that just to be clear but i there are legitimately people who think that as the only reason that they could explain why oath was so bad it just seems like they had a new team they were starting a new thing right that was like magic origins and then they're like they had a new idea of what they were going to do and they just didn't figure it out for a while that's what it seems like to me yeah that's too reasonable jump on the crazy train with me (laughs) so wait real quick okay how would making a set a standard set bad tank modern how does that work well not bad as in like bad power level like that modern format uh was like the worst ever is the eldrazi winter 
and everyone was playing Eldrazi all the time because it had the land that taps for two for Eldrazi. So it's like turn two thought, not Seers. Oh, um, it was basically all modern was. Uh, and it, the whole deck was all the creatures were Oath of the Gatewatch cards. It was Mattery Shaper, Thought Not Seer. Um, Got it. De- okay. Devastator, whatever the trampling haste one. Um, and the top eight was all Eldrazi, and like the top 50 was like all Eldrazi. Uh, it was just like, and because they scheduled a Pro Tour, Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch was modern. Mm-hmm. It was like the worst, uh, the worst modern. Was, had been up till that point for a very long time. I think, like, Hogak came, and now I don't know what's worse, Hogak or the Eldrazi or whatever. But Didn't Hogak, he's come and gone, right? And now there's it's just Ragavan. So they were like, oh, it lines up with a modern pro tour, and they printed this awful set with stupid cards in it that ruined modern but did nothing to standard. It's like, <laughs> Okay, I could see that. I thought you were just saying that this set sucked. Like, it was really bad. And so I was like, that's not going to do anything to modern. They just won't care about it. That makes more sense. Um, <laughs> but no, instead, Modern Horizons destroyed modern, right? Is that what people say? I don't know. I don't play modern. I shouldn't talk about it. I don't know anything about yeah. it. Um, reinvented. It reinvented modern. Yeah, yeah. Into a yeah. different thing that has <laughs> injections into it. Which is going to happen to every format at some point. So just get ready. They did it to modern. They'll do it to pioneer. Just get ready. That's what I say. <laughs> Can't do it to standard. Can't do it to standard. I guess they do it. They you can just add too many cards, which they're already trying to do. Um, <laughs> anyway, I feel like we're getting super off topic. Um, but uh, you know, maybe maybe we can reminisce a little bit about some of the Eldritch Moon and Shadows of Rainstrad cards that we're excited to see come to Arena, uh, and the ones that we expect to get to not make it maybe because <laughs> they aren't going to put all of them in there <laughs> yeah as you know i mean dubious challenge well. again was just the most the biggest affront um yeah where, where do you want to start so i mean like i have a card here that like this will be after not giving me dubious challenge not giving me this card would just be offensive frankly and uh, i would have to consider quitting the game so um Luckily, I think there's very little chance of that because this card is actually good and one that people will want to play. But I'm a big fan of Eldritch Evolution. So for those who don't know this card, it's one green green sorcery. Uh, You have to sack a creature and then you search your library for a creature with uh, CMC or sorry, reading these old cards, man. Mana value X or less where X is two plus the creature you sacrificed mana cost and you put that creature into play so you like upgrade a creature in play to something that has mana value two higher uh this card is awesome it's i think a really well designed magic card because it comes with a lot of risk but the payoff is quite high and it's also not just a card you put in any deck because you're two for one in yourself to upgrade a creature is generally not that good. So it's like you have to have a game plan with this. When you build a game plan around it, it's very, very strong. But there's a huge risk here because, like, if this gets countered, you already sacked the creature. It's it's an additional cost, not upon resolution. Mm-hmm. So, or they just bounce the big thing or whatever. Like, it's just a really well-designed magic card, I think, and uh, one that I really like playing with because I like playing creature-based combo decks and this is basically 
exactly what those decks want. Nice. That is exciting. I um, that That's a card that I tend to see a little bit, and people get cheeky with it in Commander, I think, so I've seen it there. Uh, but for the most part, mm-hmm. I've kind of like skipped over um, because it's not always my favorite thing. When you can't do it over and over again, it doesn't seem as exciting to me. But... Um, or when you can't, like, sack a 1-1 one, one to go get Emrakul. Like, it seems to be yeah, yes. mana value, too. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, sweet, get a 2-drop from my deck. Um, but no. That's so sick. It's <laughs> so sick. Um, yeah, I'm trying go to... Go get Yawgmoth, baby. I did a whole lot of going to get Yawgmoth with this. <laughs> I am fairly excited for all the spirits that we're getting. We already got Mausoleum yeah. Wanderer. Because, like, you know, Mono Blue Spirits is good, but I'm kind of excited for a little bit of Azorius or, or just Bant Spirits is probably what I'd do. Because um, then you can play Selfless Spirit, which is just another way to protect your stuff because you can sacrifice it and make everything indestructible. But Spell Queller is really the card I want to be playing with. Um, it's a spicy meatball. Yeah, so Spell Queller, if you don't know, it's um, one white-blue for a 2-3 Flying Spirit with Flash. It says when it enters the battlefield, exile target spell with mana value four or less. And then when it leaves the battlefield, the exiled card's owner may cast it without paying its mana cost. So it's kind of like a Luminarch Aspirant, but uh, um, for spells. And it has flash. Um, what? Actually, no, I guess it's it's uh, much different. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Isn't Luminarch Aspirant the thing that makes 1-1 one, one counters? You're right. <laughs> What's the card? <laughs> Skyclave. Like, Skyclave <laughs> Apparition. That's the card. <laughs> ah, that makes more sense. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, this black IPA, you know, it's not a high in percentage, yeah, it but it's, uh, it's hitting me it's pretty hard. Um, but no, I think uh, I heard this card is part of one of the reasons why I was interested in playing Spirits in Pioneer slash Explorer. And um, when I had COVID last year, uh, a while ago um, I just stayed in my room and watched a bunch of old uh, Pro Tour footage and there is like a, mm-hmm. a Bant Spirits deck that um, LSV was playing at uh, one of these uh, Pro Tours and Spellqueller was a big part of it um, that you're just trying to you know get that you know you end step slash whenever something crazy is going on you're like alright uh, collect a company. Let's see if there's a spell queller, or maybe there's a um, reflector mage. Was the other card that they would use? Um, so it wasn't oh, specifically yeah. a spirits deck. But oh god, I, I remember that deck. Yeah, that was everywhere. And that yeah. that deck sounds awesome to me. Uh, it's just all these like cheeky, stupid things that do flash speed, or you like protect all your shit when they try to wrath you and all this stuff. Sounds like a lot of fun. So reflector mage. So yet another reason Oath for the Gate Watch fucking dumb no i i want that card um so i mean like yeah because reflector mage comes down and it bounces something and you can't play it the next turn right yeah which is so obnoxious in the late game mm-hmm. because it's like i'm um, top decking i'm not gonna draw anything that useful like or maybe i will but like i can't play the thing you bounce so it's like two turns of bouncing it's just like it's it it doesn't seem like that big a deal when you read the card and then you play against it and you play against it in particular with it being collected, companied out, and you're just like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, it sounds super cool to me, but also I haven't played with it slash against it. And you it get, like, somebody with Eldrazi Displacer just bouncing it, like, like flickering it every turn. You're just like, oh, this is super fun. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, you know, Jeff, those, I love those decks where your opponent is not having any more fun anymore. 
Um, it's just not allowed to do anything. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think Spell Queller, to bring us back to that card, so I could stop yelling about Oath of the Gatewatch, but uh, <laughs> um, that doesn't even have to necessarily be spirits. It's just, like, a good enough card that, like, I'm imagining just, like, a blue-white tempo deck that has Spell Queller and the Wandering Emperor. I don't even know what the rest of the deck is, but I already think I kind of like the sound of this deck. <laughs> like, yeah. I also kind of like, we don't have uh, Reflector Mage, but it would be interesting if you're playing, like, some sort of Azorius with, with a tiny green symbol just for Coco. Um, mm -hmm. But you could play the new, uh, what is it, the Mana War, but it does everything. In, um, you know, in uh, Dominary United... It's the two and a blue for the two two that either bounces a creature or you can draw a card or you make a one one. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's like an academy. Some I can't remember yeah, something the name like of that. This card, but, yeah. um, but a bunch of like abusable flicker things slash enter the battlefield at your opponent's end step and do stuff. I know seems fun. Yeah, I think I think one of the only awkward things about Shadows Over Innistrad remastered looking through is like. I legitimately don't know if they knew they were going to do it because so many of these cards appeared in random anthologies and random editions. Even like the Explorer anthology that just came out added Tireless Tracker in as like a big uh, boon to mm -hmm. green midrange decks. And it's like, well, now one of the, like so many of these cards I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, this card's sick. I'm like, oh, we, are, we already have that, yeah. actually. That's already on Arena. Well, it's like, like a lot of the zombies tribal stuff. It's already mm -hmm. there. We have uh, Splendid Reclamations already there, right? Um, Harmless Offering, yeah. they already added that. But the one thing I was wondering... Is, so this is something that's actually interesting. Thalia's Lieutenant. <laughs> as, if, as if everything else we're saying isn't interesting. But this, this is actually really interesting. So <laughs> uh, with this anthology, do you think that they will... It's, sorry, it's not an anthology. With this remastered set, do you think they're going to keep all of those cards that are already in Arena in the remastered set so you can draft with them and get those cards through the draft or will they just omit all of those cards and have the draft set without them and then you can't pick them up in the draft like like let's say that i didn't i didn't pick up mausoleum wanderers or i didn't craft them sorry and so maybe i'm drafting thinking oh maybe i'll pick up a couple mausoleum wanderers when i draft and then i might play spirits later yeah, my preference would be that um, the rares and mythics are not reprints because they only have so many slots. So, and, and I don't buy the argument that it affects the draft format as much if it's a rare or a mythic. Mm -hmm. For commons and uncommons, we already have. Obviously, go wild, like put whatever of those in that is best. Um but yeah, I think, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think it's, it's just, it just looks better to try to get as many new cards in as possible. And so like, let's not use it on slots we already, we already yeah. have. Like declaration in stone, you don't need to put in. And, and also you can leave out all of the dual lands. Don't waste slots on those either. Jeez, I really hope they do. <laughs> Fucking hell. I know that they're going to. Five of these rares are going to be like Port Town and... Like whatever, like choked the estuary. original, the, 
<laughs> These the are OG uh, snarls. What do they call snarls? Again? Snarls. I, yeah. I can never remember the name of the snarls. Yeah. So what we're talking about, if you don't remember, because it's been a few years, remastered sets on um, Arena. They don't put in every single rare from the two sets that they're mashing together into the one draft format. They take some out. So um, I'm just really hoping that you know. Yeah, this, the OG Snarls aren't there, but they're for sure going to add them. You know they are, because we have the other Snarls. Yeah, they are. So gonna, they're going to trick people into thinking that they're worth crafting. or But they shouldn't, because you can just craft the, the shocks. Don't, don't craft those. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of having... Like some of them, I don't know. Do you want to play Corrupted Graphstone? Is that a card that we need? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not, but I'm not saying include all of them. I'm saying yeah. like you can only include so many. It's kind of a bummer when it's the slot is used on like tireless tracker or whatever. Even though I guess this gives people a way to get tireless tracker without having to craft it. Maybe it's fine then. Yeah, I forgot that you basically have to use a wild card before. Exactly. So I kind of would like to pick up some of the cards that are like, you know, Thalia's you know, Lieutenant, I, I would like to be able to pick that up because I haven't crafted them. If I see it, I'm like, oh, I could actually use this in decks. That's good. Um, right. Rattle chains. Like, okay, yeah, that's fair enough, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. As opposed to like, oh, here's some random fucking card that no one... There are one... only so many rares that matter too, I suppose. Yeah. So, I mean, like, obviously I want them to keep some of the funky ones that are, like, worth playing. But some of them, like, you you can find a couple that are like, you, we don't need this. This doesn't need to be here. Like, I don't know if we need Jason Raveler of Secrets to be back in. We already have it, and nobody wants it. Yeah. So, so it's like, great, you don't. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I, you know, it's always nice to have more, more stuff, more cards. Bring us to Pioneer, please. And there's so much cool stuff in here, like, just reading through the cards again. I forgot, but... Um, one card that, uh, I'm a big fan of and hope, hope sneaks its way into here, but, um, dubious given all the sacrifice, like they've sacrifice has been so good for so long and people are really starting to hate it. So I wonder if that's going to like get a knock against this card, but, uh, this, the, the card is I'm thinking of is I can't find it, but it's the original Ormondal. I forget what the, uh, oh yeah. Land side is called. Um, it's uh it's called west but it's vale, a land that Westvale abbey Westvale abbey yes thank you um yeah so this like is just a land that you play in your sacrifice decks and then if the game goes long it just turns into this like nine seven flying lifelink indestructible haste it's a sweet card but i know i know that people are getting a bit sick of sacrifice and uh rightfully so <laughs> even as a sacrifice player i'm like kind of wishing man i wish sacrifice wasn't just like always good um but yeah there's and there's like there's so many cool cards like thing in the ice like you were mentioning uh before we we started recording i'd forgotten about that um there's all the like delirium stuff grim flare was a card that that i liked a lot um and ishkanan like liliana the last hope can be the second best three mana liliana um there's just there's some cool cool stuff here uh seasons past was a card that i loved yeah so you're just like scrolling through you're like oh yeah actually this i always remembered this set as being like kind of 
decent, but not great. And I'm looking back and I'm like, well, there are a lot of cards that really mattered and I really liked. So maybe it just was a really good set. Yeah. Like I really liked or like mini block or whatever. Yeah. Um, two, two set block. I really liked, uh, fevered visions, which is just the, mm-hmm. the dorky enchantment. That's, uh, one blue red for um, enchantment that says at the beginning of each player's end step, that player draws a card. And then if a player is your opponent and they have four more cards in their hand, it deals two damage to them. Uh, I don't know if this was a card that people, was this like a tournament card? I'm not sure, but I definitely played a lot of it on magic duels on my phone back when that was a thing before arena. Oh, oh, it was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was an absolute nightmare. There was like a mill deck basically. Um, and this was a this was a, it was like a blue red mill deck. Oh, this was baby, a big part of it. Oh yeah, that sounds so. <laughs> I think good. it won. I don't know if it won a pro tour. It won like some SCG big SCG event, I think. Uh, and then it was everywhere, and it was really frustrating. But it's like one of those decks that's easy to beat if you want to beat it. But if if nobody's thinking, if everyone's about it. worried about beating themselves with their like normal magic stuff, mm-hmm. this deck's gonna come in and, and whoop all their asses. It was one of those kind of things. Awesome. I love it. I love, I love it. <laughs> Especially yeah. with like all. I have fevered visions about the card. Fevered <laughs> visions. Like, I have some fevered dreams. <laughs> I just think right now we have like Lillian Vale is super huge. So, you know, making your opponents discard cards is really big right now. And then we had um, a bunch of other, you know, red black stuff, which is making your opponent discard cards. And in historic, we're always doing the, the memory combo with uh, what's her face. Freaking. Uh, planeswalker chick so you don't have narset so you don't have any cards in your hand i like a card that's like hey you're gonna have way too many cards in your hand i'm gonna bounce things back to your hand i'm gonna mill you and you're gonna die (laughs) awesome yeah like fevered visions reads kind of innocuous but then you just play against two of them being on the battlefield and you're like what am i supposed to do against this (laughs) i have like four lands and it's seven cards in hand i can't I can't get down. Yeah, I can't get rid of these. None of I'm drawing three cards a turn. Yeah. <laughs> Either I'm going to mill myself or I'm going to die from the visions. I can't get rid of the lands in my hand. Uh. That's where one with nothing really comes in handy. <laughs> That's what... Did they put that in an anthology yet? Because they should. For a story. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be in the Explorer anthology or something. Explorer? I mean, like, one with nothing was not... It's not legal in, in, true, in yeah. uh, Pioneer, but... Yeah. Um, Next historic anthology has uh, one with nothing as sideboard tech against the Fevered Visions plan. <laughs> Discard my hand. Yeah. yeah for, those, for those who don't know, look up one with nothing. I'm not even going to explain it. Just look up yeah. one with nothing, the magic card. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Anyway, Jeff, we talked a lot about magic news. This has all, all been magic news. Um but we do have some more uh, stuff for you after our beer break. Um, we're going to talk a bit about standard. Jeff, is there anything you want to leave us with before we go on our beer break? Of course there is. The card I'm most excited by, for by far from Shadows Over Innistrad is an uncommon. And it is called Crawling Sensation. So for those who don't know, this gem, Tuna Green Enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard be nice to template that in the new fashion new fangled manner mill two cards um and then it says whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere for the first time each turn create a one one green insect creature token wow 
This is even blowing my mind because it even says put a 1-1 one, one green insect creature token onto the battlefield. And now it would just say create a 1-1. A one, mm-hmm. one. Um, like this card is going to be so much less text in the modern formatting. And I don't even feel like this was that long ago. But I guess it was because this reads like an ancient magic card. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved this card. I played it in a Gitrog monster like uh, <laughs> mid-range deck that was all about lands going to the graveyard. It was freaking awesome, and I'm super excited to play that deck again. And this was like a key part of it because this was like the engine, mm-hmm. and Gitrog Monster was like the slap it down and let's let's finish this thing. And they've printed stuff kind of similar to this, but they've always hosed it, and I, it makes me wonder like, did they know Crawling Sensation was was really good? Because I was the only one that ever played it. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like not. I have no idea if it's actually even going to be in the set. This could easily be one of the random cards that gets the axe, but it's like a powerful limited card. So it's like powerful, but uh, specific, like it's not just going to win you the game in limited. Mm-hmm. You, well, you it's not a creature. Like, so th- there's some, I guess it is. Yeah. There's some like Sorry. cost benefit analysis there. You're milling yourself to a turn. So, um, yeah, I, I loved this card. I, played it like crazy and standard to some of the i think that deck might be one of like my favorite ones that i've ever built i don't think it's the best one that i've ever built but it was one, definitely one of my favorites uh so if this makes it through makes it through the screening process i'm going to be so psyched to be playing a gitrog monster crawling sensation deck in uh, explorer nice yeah i've heard you talk about this card a few times actually so uh, excited they've got to add this one if they get if they don't put dubious yeah. challenge and crawling sensation in then we know that wizards is listening to the podcast and yeah, purposely we know they're listening yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like listening to this right now and they're like cut it from the file cut it from the file right now before we put it out in six months or whatever um yeah god awesome uh anyway let's go to a beer break and come back with some standard this beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on patreon That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, well, Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by clicking this big old button that will say, buy Jeff a beer. I've been meaning to make it bigger, um, but Zach won't let me. Or you could click the reasonable size button that says buy Zach a beer because I'm reasonable. And if you prefer sending us beer emojis to real-life in-person beers, we take those too. Just come and find us over on our Discord channel. Or go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host. Mm, Jeff, I got something special tonight. Yeah. What is it? Two years in the making. It's been two years since we have... (laughs) Well, I mean, we're not quite at our two-year mark, but I'm going to say it's two years since we've had this type of beer. Mm. It's pretty close. Last one was an actual Halloween episode, so... Yeah. Last one... Go back and listen to that episode, (laughs) because... Actually, no, don't. It's our worst episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least uh, trying to be. Uh, I brought a pumpkin ale. So we've only done one pumpkin beer before, and it was 10%. Luckily, this one is only 6%. It's from Lake of Bays, just like our other beer for the night. And, uh, you know, it's just the season. And uh, anytime I can convince Jeff to drink something weird, I got to, I got to, I got to do it. So pumpkin ales it is. We'll see if this one's any, uh, any good. 
And we'll see if I go on a 10-minute rant again about pumpkin ales after this. Yeah, I've promised to... I made Zach promise to keep it under five minutes this time. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Who knows? There's, there's no controlling it. Yeah, I can't even control it. I can't control myself. So hopefully this will be good. Uh, the things I'm usually looking for... Actually, I'll talk about this later. Don't listen to me. Jeff, I did have one thing I want to talk to you about for uh, Shadows of Innistrad Remastered before we get into Standard. Um, what are the chances that they're going to change or override the werewolf mechanic so that it is now day and night? Do you think they're going to do that? Oh, that's a good question. I think they should. I think the question is whether or not they will. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, let's just go with yes. All right. I think I'm with you. Uh, I, I think they will and they should, um, we can get rid of whatever cards specifically talked about that didn't deal with that. Um, if there's specific cards where it matters, they don't have to include those. Right? Exactly. So yeah. we just won't add them to Arena, and every werewolf on Arena should work the same way. So, Or at least yeah. the ones that flip. Yeah. Anyway, good. I'm glad yeah, we're... If they don't, and like werewolves becomes a high-tier deck in Explorer <laughs> or something, it's going to be so confusing to play against. Yeah, but like werewolves are going to be a high-tier deck in Explorer. I know, it's obviously ridiculous. <laughs> but... um, yeah, what are the chances that werewolves are good in the remastered draft format? I don't remember if they were good originally. I think they were pretty good, actually. I think yeah. red-green was like a reasonable deck. If I remember correctly, Shadows of Innistrad had, like, green was just strong. The best draft deck was green-white. Oh. Uh, that, that's what my memory tells me. Eldritch Moon I didn't draft that much of, though. So that's going to mix everything. That's true. That's mix really true. Up. Do we want to talk about Standard? Yes. So I know you've been playing quite a bit. Yes. Preparing for, uh, for an event. Mm-hmm. Haven't done that in a while, so... That's so exciting. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for you. Yes, my son uh, has a much more natural... Still not, you know, adult-level natural, but he has a much more uh, prescribed sleeping schedule now, so after he goes to sleep, I can play a game or two. Um, yeah. Uh, so Standard is in a place... Okay, well, I think a lot of people will say Standard is good and then probably even more people than that will not enjoy current standard because current standard is a little hard to quantify in terms of the usual metrics of like when you say uh, it's a good format and a bad format in the sense that there are a lot of different decks you can play Mm -hmm. there are like you know a dozen different totally reasonable choices the problem is they're all very similar to one another. So in terms of like the different types of decks and strategies that are available, it's not that diverse in that like almost all of the best decks are black-based mid-range decks. Um, and then like the decks below that a tier are all like white decks with very similar game plans about fighting the black decks. So, uh, well, it is technically it's pretty diverse. There's, if you like Grixis, you could play Grixis. If you like Jund, there are two different Jund decks you could play. If you like Esper, there are like three different Esper decks you could play. But, you know, people who don't enjoy black-based midrange just will hate this standard. There's no way 
there's no two ways about that. If you don't like black ba- playing against black based mid-range decks, you're not going to have a good time in standard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 80-90% of your opponents. <laughs> yeah, so is is that mainly because Liliana's around or like so I haven't played nearly as much as you have. I've been working a lot, so I I think I've originally that was a big driving force, mm-hmm. and one of the weird things is like a lot of them are starting to cut Liliana because Liliana's not that good against the other black based mid-range decks that like uh, also would play Liliana like Liliana's a symmetric effect and then the sacrifice isn't that good so it's one of these weird things where originally it's like oh Liliana's just so good it's hard to beat but then everyone's playing black base mid-range and she's not that great in the mirror so she's starting to find her way like pushed into the sideboard Mm -hmm. and then there's just so many good black cards like cut down uh, it's just really efficient. So mm-hmm. if you're playing something else, if you're playing small creatures, it's just so hard to get under the mid-range deck because cut down is so good against you. Um, they just have tools at every level, right? Like at, at pretty much every point in the curve, there's a really strong black card. Like even if you wanted to do something with your graveyard, they're already planning on playing uh, graveyard trespasser. It's just going to slap down and exile any graveyard shenanigans you were up to um you know a tenacious underdog is just a powerful two drop mm-hmm. one of the best two drops in the format just like in terms of its raw power a lot of people are playing shieldred i still maintain children's a bit overrated but like children's a good card um it's probably better than soren so that's fine if people want to upgrade from like one mediocre card to one slightly less mediocre card that's totally fine and then there's if you want to go big there's what's the forget i always forget the name of this card but it's like one black 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 invoke despair that one yeah if you want to go big you can do that like black just gives you options at literally every point on the curve Mm -hmm. the one thing i will say about uh shieldred is that at the moment um the arena the way arena works is that if they had nothing else to do that turn and they do it second main They'll play Shieldred and it passes directly into your turn and you draw your card and you don't have time to react um, if you're not mm-hmm. in full control. So you will lose two life almost always. Even if you have instant speed removal in your hand, you won't have enough time to do full control so that you can kill it on your upkeep and you could lose the game um, because of that. Yeah. So uh, that is one thing about Shieldred that's kind of annoying. Um, so like you might just yeah. get cheesed out of games because, and maybe that's part of why it's good right now in arena, because you do get free two life off of somebody every, like you all, almost always get two life off of them unless they're playing full control, which almost nobody does. You can fight against it. Like just when you feel like your opponent might cast Shieldred, if they have four mana, mm-hmm. black, black, whatever, then hold private, like hold full control. But it sucks. Any card that incentivizes you to have to hold full control, like it's just annoying. It's really blow. I think they should pro. Like there was something like this in the early days of Arena, and uh, even worse was on Magic Online with Goblin Rabble Master because nobody would have a stop. Generally, going from like main phase to combat, mm-hmm. and it triggered and made its attack extra attacker on combat, so people would get a free one one all the time because you just like play rabble master and then it goes boom before you have a chance to, to kill it which you were planning on killing it you know they get the one one um, like, great a similar thing with legion war boss where arena just like wouldn't really let you do it 
uh, and they programmed it so that in specifically if Legion war boss is on the battlefield, it sets that stop for you. Mm-hmm. So they could do it is in their power to do something about Shieldred. Like if Shieldred is there, it will stop on your upkeep to give um, you a shot. Um, because right, and, and they could probably even do it so that it only does that the first time because it'd be so annoying if like every uh, single just getting pounced by the trounced by the Shieldred like every turn. It's like, oh, fuck. yeah, 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 I get it. <laughs> hey, do you want to deal with this? You know, I can't, Arena. Okay, so don't fucking give me time to do that. <laughs> Empty handed, you yes. son of a bitch. Um, so that, that is one thing, but you know, that's a good call out though. Like, if you're you know, playing for $10,000, $30,000, uh, make sure you set those stops for Shieldred. Mm-hmm. So just watch out. Uh, but I will say, so I have, uh, I, I'll, I'm going to let you talk about a certain deck um, in a few moments because I know that you, you want to. But um, I did have a question. Now that we're talking about the, the black card curve, um, mm-hmm. there is a mono black mid-range deck that is going around that seemed popular enough but i've been seeing a lot of evolved sleeper um Mm -hmm. now this is a card that i originally didn't see as extremely exciting because it's another one of those upgrade cards that we've talked about with ascendant spirit that um we're kind of like iffy about and i've been trying to take it out of my spirit stack whenever i can um but jeff i wanted to hear your take on evolved sleeper what do you think about this card yeah so i don't remember if we talked about it or if i was just thinking about talking about it i remember when i read it i was like okay they might have made the costs cheap enough that i'm finally interested in this type of card like they've printed a few of these and it's always been like it's just too expensive like you look at the final creature and it's like 10 mana Mm -hmm. and that just doesn't it's unacceptable in today's game and this one it's like six or something it's like way way less um, yeah, it's seven. It's seven. Yeah, okay, it's right. Um, I forgot you have to actually pay for the creature in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I still don't think Evolved Sleeper is that good, though, in the current meta, because it's just the same problem. You sink mana into it, and then there's just so many efficient ways to kill it. Like, the number of times I'm sitting there with cut down, just like, push the button, dude. Push mm-hmm. the fucking button. And then they do, and it's like, cut down, see you, see you later. Like... That cut down traded one mana for four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I don't like it, but I think if if there were if black was less prevalent, it would be a better option. But black can just kill it, so it's like in a ninety percent black meta. Even if you get this big awesome creature, it's like it's just gonna eat a Liliana edict. It's gonna eat like a i don't know one of a myriad of removal spells Mm -hmm. and you'll have gotten a few damage points out of it so you need to be super aggressive to take advantage of it but then blacks like we've discussed blacks so good against aggro yeah it it seems like to me if you're in the market for like a four mana three three death touch then (laughs) yeah um but and, and obviously that's a bastardization of what the card really is but um you know, once you get to be, if you can't, if your opponent can't answer it and you're just like drawing cards, that is obviously awesome. Uh, but a lot of the mm-hmm. time it just seems like the, it gets played on turn one and I don't want to cut it down. And then it tends to trade with my tenacious underdog or something, which isn't great. It's just like, okay, it just, it doesn't feel awesome. I don't like having them around, but yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like when Ten- people, that's true too. Tenacious underdog is like a big problem with the card as well. Yeah, like you don't want to trade with a tenacious underdog after you invested four mana. Exactly. So it's just like eh, not not super exciting. I guess it trades at two mana, right? It's a two two. Yeah, it, it, still it's like it trades at two mana. But if you invested four mana in it and then they play tenacious underdog, you're like, well, now I can't attack into it. The death touch doesn't really matter. Ugh. So maybe it's better if, if green becomes really good or something, but um, I don't know. I, I'm i usually fairly happy if my opponent plays one. Um, not when they play... I mean, it's an aggro card to me. Like, yeah. it, this is a one drop, and then you play other stuff, and then later in the game when you don't have stuff to play, you sink mana into this, and then it even draws you more cards later. Like, it's a great aggro card. Mm-hmm. But, we've you know, we've already discussed black being good against aggro without even mentioning... The real like the real reason you just cannot play aggro, and that's the meat hook masker. Mm-hmm. You can't play aggro in a meat hook masker format. The card is just that stupidly good against aggro. And so I think I think for me, Evolved Sleeper is like a when meat hook rotates, maybe <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Which, you know, next year. <laughs> so yeah, have fun waiting to to really be excited about that card i think um meat hook massacre is too good that, that card's maybe, maybe that's like the real reason black is so dominant it's just like it didn't need uh, we've talked about this before right but it shouldn't gain life on killing your opponent's creatures it mm-hmm. just makes it too good of a as a sweeper when i think the original intent was that it was meant to be like a blood artist kind of thing mm-hmm. and they thought oh it's cool symmetry going on but like it's good in sacrifice decks and it's just like it's just good in every deck always, mm-hmm. and so you should play black. Um, it's like crazy, right? It's like a flexible sweeper that gains life for each creature you killed. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, and and then sticks around for further life gain after that. No, it's absurd. <laughs> yeah, if if it only gained life when you do it the first time, then maybe. Yeah, or you know, right? But like maybe. Then it's just like a flexible fumigate. Exactly. <laughs> <if> that <weren't. laughs> But like, I think they, they did a good job of like fixing it in alchemy, but it, it we're still dealing yeah. with it, obviously. Actually, don't even know what it does in alchemy. But. It just doesn't gain life. That It only deals yeah, with it. Yeah, right. And that's the like fix I was suggesting as soon mm-hmm. as we played with the card. I was like, no, this shouldn't. I like what they did there, and I, I understand why they did it. It's like, it's a cool symmetry. But no, it's it just made it too good at its what was supposed to be its secondary job, mm-hmm. and now like what it was intended for is its secondary job. But but yeah, so that's another reason blacks everywhere is like you can't get under them, and they because of meat hook massacre, because of cut down, because of you know now Liliana like Liliana plus cut down is such a one two punch that it's like okay I kill one thing. And then your big thing that can't get hit by cut down just right on my curve gets hit by the Liliana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just too hard to go under it. And so what we're seeing in the format is we're just pushing bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, Liliana starting to get moved into the sideboards because like your opponents have uh, a wedding announcement or, or whatever. Like Liliana gets a lot worse mm-hmm. when your opponent has tenacious underdog and winning announcement. And yeah. Like, Okay, I discard my tenacious underdog. You can't make me sag anything because I have a one-one token, um, and so it's like uh, cannibalizing itself, sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's good and bad news. I think there's when a format does something like this, 
where it's okay we know mid-range is the way to go we're going to start pushing bigger the way to take advantage of that is to just play a control deck i think counter spells are at an all-time high right now because people will not get under you they're pushing their curve higher and higher and higher and then they're like hey turn four i'm just gonna slap a shieldred on the table and you're like cool essence scatter like you just you just so far ahead on that exchange uh and you play dissipate because dissipate's amazing right now because people are playing big threats that have like recursion and stuff you know someone's gonna play uh invoke despair i remembered the name mm-hmm. boom negate that play something else like see you never game over if you like you know if, if it's that turn five six things mm-hmm. like invoke despair negate uh wandering emperor like that's it it's that's it so um i'm really looking into control decks at the moment problem is the tournament i'm interested in is like not this weekend it's the next weekend the format will have completely adjusted by then but um i think right now if i if like the tournament was tomorrow i would probably play a, a lot of blue and a lot of counter spells because interesting people are just going so big man they're just they're not even playing liliana they're to to like make you discard these cards and like really punish you for staying back and playing drago mm-hmm. yeah it's just like kill that creature counter that um, memory deluge things really powerful card mm-hmm. at the moment that's going to win you some games so if yeah just that's where i would be um i tried a blue black control list that, that was kind of fun it's like liliana kaito uh leer and then just counter spells and kill spells and stuff um it was pretty good but i think blue red's probably better and you just play like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, mm-hmm. which is what you, or you just get to play Fable. <laughs> it just cuts your your red. Yeah, it's yeah. that's interesting. I was, um, I think you're probably right with that because I was playing a, um, like a really stock, uh, Esper list, that was much more mm-hmm. mid rangey, but I was really excited with Make Disappear. Ended up being like just right. phenomenal. Um, and so definitely like jumping on the um, counterspell train is great, but I was just having fun. Cause like the level I was playing where I was still going up against Liliana all the time. And I wasn't seeing that kind of creep into the, um, the higher part of your curve, but I was really enjoying having a bunch of like uh, just a bunch of two drops that all had some sort of graveyard ability um, with uh, Denik the like Azorius mm-hmm. two three life linker that makes it so you can't target cards in graveyards, um, which was sorry cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells abilities yeah, and that was really helpful against all of the uh, graveyard trespassers. Now he does die to cut down, which is annoying, um, but you never really feel that terrible because you have another card in your graveyard, just like malevolent hermit tenacious underdog. Anything that I can discard to Liliana and then play later feels really awesome. And those are already cards that I'm interested in. So um, doing something like that has already been fun uh, with some counter magic and a little bit of, you know, you can play Wedding Announcement if you have white plus all that. So what you talked about before, mm-hmm. plus black, because obviously 
having a little bit of black somewhere is always good. Yeah, and actually, I was going to say, if you don't want to go all the way to the control route, I mean, I mean, there's two ways to approach metagame, right? Like, there's the level one, which is like, black decks are the best play a black deck. Mm-hmm. And then there's the level two, which is like, black decks are the best play something that just dunks on black decks. I always find myself like going into the level two and then wishing I'd just level one it mm-hmm. afterwards because I run into like the three people in the tournament who were not on black mid range decks. You know, the three people who I just like Gruel Agro, so I played Gruel Agro. I was like, well, I can't beat Gruel Agro. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm expecting to play like Shieldred and mm-hmm. kill that. Like, you know. uh, the other thing, the re- sorry, the reason I, I forgot to mention it, but blue red, um, the reason I like red is because of uh, there's like the one mana shock that exiles. That's why it's it's really good. Um, so it's right. like uh, underdog Sia. Um, that does sound the, nice. The two one that you just you just mentioned, the hermit, malevolent hermit. Um, yeah. So, but I was gonna say if you don't want to, if you want to do the level one thing, play a black mid range deck. I really like the deck you basically just described, which is a little lower to the ground esper mm-hmm. that plays a lot of two drops the hermit the denic and the underdog and probably like legitimately like four full full four make disappears mm-hmm. um and then yeah you're you know goes only up to four like your top end is i don't know the wandering emperor Basically. i guess probably yeah. um I w- that's that's probably what i would play uh because it's gonna the, the make disappears is just going to win you so many games. Mm-hmm. And it w- but like, I've seen... I was just going to say, make disappears is really great when you're playing wedding announcement because you're getting a bunch of tokens every turn mm-hmm. um, that yeah. you can just have around. The the stock list I was playing um, had a bunch of obscure interceptors in it, which I have really don't like anymore. Um, and it always seems too slow. So... I would say yeah. cut anything like that. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but that was my choice for like the overrated card in New Capenna. I've yeah. never liked it. I still don't like it. I wouldn't play it. I'd play Wandering Emperor as my top end. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely liked the card, thought it was going to be an important part of the deck. And uh, I have since uh, come off it. I'm like I was playing a list. I'm and seeing like air tie in, in there a little bit as well. Yeah. Which is a similar thing. I like air tie a bit better cause it's more flexible and easier to cast. Um, but yeah, obscure interceptor, just like, it's just always underwhelming yeah. basically. And in this deck, you have such high power level. Like the card is fine, but this deck has such a high power level that like, it's a high bar to, cross to make the main deck of this in my opinion yeah and i don't think that the interceptor crosses that bar Mm -mm. Um, no cut it well but even though it's a totally reasonable looking card on paper right like yeah this card is a and maybe in like a more of a tempo based shell like this deck has some tempo to it for sure but it also can play a long game um i don't know it's just like you compare it to rafine and you're like why is my three drop so much better than my four drop? Yeah, I'd much rather have that. And I'm always like sideboarding it out to get real counter spells. So 
I right. just played I'll, the counter. There spell. is something to be said. I've always said this. There's something to be said about having the card that you know always comes out. It's true. <laughs> this card sucks. It just makes my sideboarding so much easier. Yeah, so which like, is... Uh, <laughs> cut the interceptors, put in cards that matter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> always <go>. lose game <laughs> one. <laughs> cut out. Yeah. <laughs> Win games two and three. Yeah. Like, start from behind but i don't stress about sideboarding it's like a it's a mental health thing <laughs> all right i i can be on board with that yeah but i also wanted to say like during our discussion of uh geez what is it now like is that crimson vow or is that midnight hunt the denic i remember us saying like there's only two playable uh disturb cards and mm-hmm. it's the hermit and denic, and denic. There's just nobody played Denik ever, but like finally a year later, here we are. Denik is, Denik's a good card, mm-hmm. and it's a part of the metagame now. And I, I like to see that because we were like, yes, Denik, Denik's gonna be a thing. Um, I also love playing that. the long game here. Yeah. Although I have seen people Denik into their own graveyard trespasser, and then like look confused for a while <laughs> about. <laughs> do you know why it's always just like the long pause before they pass and i'm yeah. like yeah like yeah you you're not used to playing with symmetrical effects because we don't do that too often anymore but yeah you know i personally am in a place where i haven't played the the crazy amount of standard where i'm like so sick of all these black decks yet um mm-hmm. though i do still feel like uh like how do you feel about this blue tempo deck i know it's like seemingly not great but i feels similar in in obviously it's a blue tempo deck so like it reminds me of autumn burchette every single time (laughs) but having the hottie gin and a bunch of counter spells with and it just gets bigger and bigger with the amount of you know um spells or instants you're playing and you're countering everybody's stuff and then you have this huge threat that comes in and like kills somebody uh it's something i'm always looking towards if i can um I think mm-hmm. the list that uh, I have here is a little underwhelming when you actually like look at it, <laughs> just just as a list of, of cards. But do, how do you feel about playing? You you said you liked blue. You were specifically talking about control, but this deck is all counter spells all the time. Is this the kind of thing that you're you're wanting to play against some of these black decks? Uh, so me personally, no, I don't. I just don't want to play this type of deck. Um, but I actually think it's fine so i think there's a couple of things going on um i think the deck is still pretty new Mm -hmm. and some things have to be figured out like some people are playing delver some people are not playing delver some people are playing like full four tolarian serpent or whatever it's called yeah uh tolarian terror and some people are a little lighter on that card to not at all um and so i think the list isn't ironed out yet but I have been reasonably impressed with it uh, on the other side of the table. Um, so I think like once all of those kind of get settled out, you'll have a totally reasonable list that, hey, maybe the meta adapts to it. Maybe it doesn't. I think, counters, like I said, counterspells are so good right now mm-hmm. that this is a, a totally reasonable choice. And if you're one of those people that enjoys, you know, playing the alpha or whatever like like figuring the deck out with the community um this is a great option if you like that style the other option is to wait like a week or two and then there will be optimal lists floating around from events and uh then you don't have to worry about how many delvers to play and how many 
because the, the problem is like these decks always have is the balance between threats and protection and what does your protection look like is it slip through the back and the new weird one with the crab or something mm-hmm. that i can it's going like this i can sure never, up. Uh, shore up yeah um like do you want to play for each of those that's a lot uh, or do you want to play more counter magic or do you want to play more threats like you know the full delver hottie gin um the bird and uh the Telerian terror I, I think are your main options uh ledger shredder mm-hmm. is the bird that i was thinking of um yeah i think there's just like a lot of question marks about how to build the deck properly but it seems to me like one of those things that uh you know, if Autumn Burchett was piloting it, I would lose. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I would assume that uh, against most every matchup against Autumn Burchett, but uh, that I was going to lose. Um, well, it means it's at least like a, a semi reasonable deck. I, mm-hmm. I could beat I could beat them if it was like, uh, you know, one of these uh, starter decks, maybe where they just have a bunch of like two twos for two and sure three threes for three. okay yeah if that but, uh, if that is yeah. the spectrum of they have a <laughs> shit deck that isn't even close to playable and i have a tier one deck then sure but um that's what i'm saying so this isn't a shit deck that isn't even close to all play. right perfect i like that stamp of approval um yeah. But you can easily play four make disappears in this deck and slip out the back is, uh, you know, one of my faves. I like it. So um, this is this is one of those decks that I have to begrudgingly admit that slip out the back is more annoying. Like it's better than I thought. It's, it was. it's good. Every time I'm against it, I'm like, Ugh, like I can't do anything. I could Liliana. I could Liliana minus here, but that's so bad if they have slip out the back. Yeah, then you just have like, one. Uh, <laughs> So I'm like, I'm literally just like sitting there. I'm like, well, I hope I draw one of my four duresses because I'm 100% sure they have slip out the back. And then I duress them. It's like slip out the back, slip out the back and uh, shore up. I'm like, huh. Fun. So how do I? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Take slip out the back. Come on. Second duress. And then like Liliana, I guess, or meet or something something that, that hexproof doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, well, no, slip out the back just fades it out, phases it out, so uh, Meat Hook wouldn't even do anything. No, um, that's what I mean. Oh, Shore Up, like, sorry. Duress both, slip out the backs, gotcha. leave them with Shore Up, and... And then <laughs> do something. Um, that's my game plan. Nice, good game plan. <laughs> uh, but this deck is one of those ones where I saw it in an event, I played against it, and I immediately was like, ooh, that's the deck I should be playing. Whatever I'm playing right now, yeah. that's not uh, not necessarily my style. I should be playing the... That's uh, funny, because I played against it, and I was like, does the deck Zach should be playing? <laughs> <laughs> now, these are things that I say. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm good at playing these decks. It just means that I always gravitate towards them, and I want to play those decks. You should always play the decks you enjoy, right? So anytime mm-hmm. there's the opportunity for that, yeah, well, take it. And, and, like, you have to balance how much you enjoy winning, I suppose. But uh, if you can get, like... I'm generally happy with a tier two deck that I really like playing. See, so there you go. And transitioning into that, I don't know what tier this deck is, um, but Jeff, you had a deck. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I kind of want to talk about it um, that you put together, you built. Of course, yeah. Um, and I played and I took into an event and I liked it quite a bit. It was a deck that I really enjoyed, um, but I wanted you to be able to 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 give a little spiel. <laughs> yeah. 
about this build? Uh, so there's there's a lot going on, but essentially we built this deck in the episode with Ryan. Do you remember this? We were talking about like mm-hmm. Jund, and we and we like I forget how it came up, but we were talking about the combo of uh, the jeez, uh, the spears are killing me. The the dragon that uh, draws cards based on no no no. Oh, you're talking about Moonvale Regent. And Moonvale Regent. I was talking about Moonvale Regent and Riveteer's Charm. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't listen to that episode, I'll reiterate the combo for you. But Moonvale Regent says when you play a card, um, you are you have the option of discarding your hand and drawing cards equal to the number of colors in the card that you uh, played. And Riveteer's Charm is Jund Mana or Riveteer's Mana, Blue sorry black red and green and uh one of the options is to exile the top three cards of your library and play them until you uh your next end step so you, it's instant you could play it on your opponent's turn basically if you're empty if, if riveteer's charm is your last card or close to it it's a draw six because the moonvale regent will draw you three cards from the uh three mana symbols in the charm and the charm itself will essentially draw you three cards, like impulse draws or whatever they're called, three uh, cards. And so that is like the combo that I built this whole deck around. Then there's another combo with Zeatora. So Zeatora is Jund mana, and then also th- three. It's a six drop, so it's like red, black, green, three. It can sack a creature on end step to deal damage equal to its power to any target and create three treasure tokens. But the other part of Moonvale Regent is when it dies, you deal damage equal to the number of colors of permanence you have to any target. So with the Zeator, if you sack the Moonvale Regent, that's seven damage anywhere you want. Um, so it's a really good like late game finisher, just seven to the face um, is generally how this is used. But it goes both ways, because when you play the Zeatori, it's probably the last card in your hand, and you draw three off the Moonvale region. And then I saw, of course, the uh, the new Jund legend, um, which is the... This is my favorite part of the deck. Windgrace. This is my favorite part right here. Um, Soul of Windgrace, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, we had to, we had to throw that in. Um, again, it combos with Moonvale Regent, because it's a three met, three different colors in its casting cost. So at Moonvale region, again, cares about that both ways. Then we built from the ground up. We wanted Liliana. Wait, 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 now, wait. Liliana you, you, sorry, soul. you missed a really important part, though, because Soul of Windgrace, when it enters the battlefield, puts land cards from graveyards onto the battlefield. So if you happen to still have cards in your hand with Moonvale region, when you play Soul of Windgrace, you get to get your lands back. Yes. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah, that's true. It is amazing. Um, I was thinking of introducing Liliana because I love just going turn three Liliana, discard a land, turn four uh, Soul of Windgrace, get that land back. Um, uh, but yeah, um, it happens more often. But yes, it is amazing mm-hmm. when you pull that off, when you have like a land in, in hand, Soul of Windgrace, play it. Uh, Moonvale Regent's like, hey, do you want to discard your hand? Like, yes, I do. Because... Uh, but then when this enters the battlefield, that land is going to come back into play, and I draw three. That's true. I actually played this deck a lot. I don't know if that's ever actually happened to me, which is why I didn't 
<laughs> it's didn't mention it. It is awesome. Um, the other parts of the stick. So so Jeff calls this the Junderdome, which I love. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know you have some usual usual suspects: um, cast down, tenacious underdog, infernal grasp. But um, it was fun to see the courier's briefcase as like a ramp piece mm-hmm. that also helps you against Liliana because you're getting a one, one and extra little bonus. The token is white. So for the Moonvale region, it often gets up to four oh, because the token is white. That is something I never ran into. That's so cool. Oh, so that's awesome. Uh, and then you also have a little bit of Ren and Seven that kind of it Ren and Seven mixes a little bit with Wind Grace because Soul of Wind Grace cares about lands and you you know either discarding lands or putting them into play and playing extra lands and all that kind of stuff. And with your you know Ren and six sorry Ren and Seven token that you get, but also if you Ren and Seven token and you have Zeatora, you can throw that huge token at them. Yeah. Um, a lot of games get ended that way where it's like I ran in seven, make the make the token. Then the next turn is play land zero, the ran in seven to put like four extra lands into play and then Zeotora them. And it's like the thing is I attacked them. They probably didn't block and they're dead from like 16. That happens fairly often. Um and so what I love is like exactly what you just described. There's like the two combos, mm-hmm. Ren and Seven combos with Ciatora, but then also combos in a totally different way with Soul of Wind Grace. Then Liliana combos with obviously like the um, the underdog, but also the other way with Soul of Wind Grace. Um, because you it's just like often Soul of Wind Grace on curve doesn't get you the land mm-hmm. because nobody has a land in their graveyard. But Liliana, with both you and your opponent discarding, there's a really good chance a graveyard contains, like, has a land in it mm-hmm. for your Soul of Wind Grace. It was, it's really fun, Dag. It's really fun. <laughs> um, I had a blast with it. Uh, and you, so when you had posted, so if anyone who was wondering, um, this is the kind of stuff that we, well, Jeff posts, I don't really post decks, but Jeff posts decks in our <laughs> Discord. Uh, so come be just wait for Zach's take on mono blue. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be exactly as another list I saw. Um, but, but come join our discord. You get uh, decks like this every once in a while. Um, and you get to play them, which I did was a a ton of fun. Um, but I ended up having some amazing matches. Uh, I, a lot of the time I would actually side in the work workshop war chiefs because I was, strangely played against both gruel aggro and mono red when i was in this event um and my claim to fame from it was uh it was game three and they had one of those the little um the chicken no it's not a chicken sorry it's a phoenix chick (laughs) the phoenix chick oh yeah that attacks for one every turn and they ended up being able to get put up some plus one plus one counters on it and uh, every turn I had Soul of Wind Grace and I kept drawing lands and I kept discarding them just to gain three life every turn, every time they tried to do something. And then I kept <laughs> attacking with it and getting more stuff and playing <laughs> Workshop War Chief and getting three more life. And then they'd kill it and then I'd get another creature and then I'd keep doing this thing and ended up winning the game with one, like I had one life 
over and over and over again. And they had 22, and I got to hack them down, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It was, I'm sure your opponent loved that. Yeah, they really <laughs> hated it. Um, so that was, that was, oh, I don't know. Like, they didn't say anything, obviously, but. Um, no, no, yeah. This, and I learned. No, that sounds like an awesome game. I learned a lot about the deck through that matchup, and uh, Soul of One Grace became, like, one of my favorite cards to see when I was drawing oh, cards. It's so like, oh, it's going to be a good game if I got this card. Uh, so <laughs> When I built the deck, I didn't even realize I could take from my opponent's graveyard, which, oh, when I played it one time, I was like, Sorry, that was. I was just like, oh man, wait, I can take from their graveyard, which again, just a little you know tidbit that matters. Your um, God, the briefcase. You want f- in the late game five colors of mana to sag it to draw three. So you can sometimes take <laughs> uh, some of that from your opponent. Like you could take an island or you could take a uh, plains. Um, I did experiment with playing off-color triumphs, but I played in a league and I drew them, no joke, every game, and they were always terrible. And I was like, okay, these have to go because they replaced untapped lands. The difference from the version I sent you, I think, is the version I sent you has uh, the 2-3 that makes a clue. Briar Bridge, yeah. Yeah, I originally wanted that to make the mana better. I wanted it to be like a black green deck that splashes red. Mm -hmm. It was an egregious mistake. I've since removed them and replaced them with the correct card, which is fable of the mirror breaker. Makes sense. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, adjusted the mana slightly to enable that the slightly worse mana is worth fable of the mirror breaker. Again, it makes extra treasures so that you can sack those, uh, briefcases reliably for, three cards it uh lets you loot and find stuff discard lands for the soul of wind grace is perfect it's another way to do that and uh it uh copies renin seven tokens or right the best of all copying moonvale regent because when the token dies it has the death trigger and it's a four four flying haze uh, no you have to play you okay. have to play the fable because <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out why the tracker was in the deck i was like i think this is you know it's a three mana card that for sure doesn't i mean like sometimes it dies to cut down but that was i was like stretching a little bit to be like i'm trying to figure out exactly why this is here um yeah. But it ended up being good. I you, it helped me because just because it has vigilance, it helped me win a lot of games. So, um, I did like that. Yeah, it's but. totally a fine card. I picked it over the trespasser, which mm-hmm. was like close, I think. But uh, after playing with fable, it's like no fable is no. is just so much better that it's worth stretching the mana to just be fully three colors. The plan, the hope was to stay two color splash one. Mm-hmm. Just the three colors is worth it because Fable is so much better. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. I will update my list. Thank you for that. Yeah, add another red source. I could post my. You need to cut a. You need to add a red source. Cut a green source. Okay, I can do that. Um. Anyway, that is the deck I was playing in this league, and uh, I. I think it works out, Jeff, that you like brewing decks and I like just getting lists from people. <laughs> so I, I'm basically like a parasite on your back. I'm like, yeah, it's a, I was going to say it's a real symbiotic relationship, you know? <laughs> so you make decks. No, but it actually is because I get like data about my decks, right? Because I can only play my deck 
so many games. Yeah. And you just told me about like, oh yeah, do you play the Soul of Windgrace, discard a land and get it back? It's like, this never happened to me. Yeah. But yeah, that's a thing that can happen. Well, not only that, but I was going to say that, you know, you post deck lists, I steal them, I play with them, and then I tell you how much fun they are. And then that's just good for you to be happy about. Um, yeah, it's also, so it also makes me feel yeah, good. Yeah, so, so, you know, that's what I give is uh, words of affirmation. I hope that the... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes he's like, dude, that deck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so join our Discord to see which ones are the bad ones, too. Um, no, those are only the ones I post. Uh, anyway. Uh, it's like, why, why isn't Ivy in this deck? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. You should add, take out the red in the Fable of the Mirror Breakers and all the Jund cards and add yeah. blue and Ivy. Do a soul tie with Ivy and then take out these briefcases and play the, <laughs> so, about the know, back and Cut the Liliana. Mm-hmm. You know. That's no good. Um, <laughs> but Briar Bridge Tacker, that's the card you should keep out of the whole deck. That's the card. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one I like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Jeff, this uh, this has been nice. This has been fun. Good update on on standard mm-hmm. and, and talking about some new stuff. Um, we're kind of winding down a little bit. Do you have any last thoughts on standard? Though I think you did a really great job of kind of uh, encapsulating how we feel slash you feel about the, the the meta right now. Yeah, I think all I would say is my last thoughts is um, like despite what we've all said it's more important to play what you enjoy than to play whatever you think is best. Sometimes that lines up. You're the type of person that just loves playing the best deck and that's great. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it's like, Hey, I love mono red mono reds an uphill battle right now because of all the cheap removal and the meat hook massacre and shield red. Um, but if you love it, like you're, you know, maybe you'll have more fun losing with mono red than winning with, some esper deck that you found on the internet that's that's up to you to decide but we always just want to like strive hey this is a game about fun so do the thing that's the most fun yeah exactly and to me uh winning is the most fun so stealing jeff's decks is the best thing for me yeah uh (laughs) anyway and that's fine but like i think a lot of people are in that camp (laughs) um so there's no shame in in taking decks uh that you didn't build as well but hopefully you have a friend that will give you some sweet ones or you make jeff a friend of yours to steal his anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah you just got to pair up right find the person that they're the way they have fun is building new decks that are reasonably competitive yeah, exactly. And then you can tell them, hey, why are you playing this card? I'm confused. Uh, or just play it and be like, yeah, this keeps happening. And then they're like, well, no, you're not supposed to do it like that. That wasn't the reason I put the card. And you're like, oh, I completely missed the two or three combos you put in the deck. I was like, what the fuck is this card in here for? I don't know. Side it out. Side out this half of the combo. Yeah. <laughs> not realizing it. this there. garbage out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, Jeff, let's go Whatever to... Whatever you do, don't side out Zeatora. You need those. Perfect. I've been siding them out because I'm like, two, six mana is way too much. <laughs> Get this garbage out Get of here. Get this garbage out of here. Uh, you can maybe side out one. I'll allow that. Okay. I definitely side out two, but keep one. Um, <laughs> and like, lower curve, lower curve. Let's keep all the cards really low. <laughs> but that's my favorite thing to do. Anyway, uh, Jeff, let's go to last call. We have a couple beers in front of us, uh, ones that we Mm -hmm. obviously drank this evening, and as always, we rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tears in Arena. Look at that. 
Um, as always, this has nothing to do with which tier you are in currently, because everyone's in a different tier at a different time in their life. And uh, hey, you know, sometimes you get busy, you fall down. Who cares? I think I was in double bronze recently. So there you go. With that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're no good. You have to pour them out because they're so terrible. I might be in double bronze currently. I'm a I'm an event player, baby. Uh, yeah. So silver beers. These are beers that. Uh, Basically, nothing going on. Macro brews will fall into this category. Gold beers are fine, but you probably won't drink them often. Platinum are solid, and uh, you will drink them again. Diamond beers are exceptional, and you would recommend these to your friends. You'll bring them to parties. And mythic beers, these are the absolute best of the best. You will go out of your way to grab them. You will go out of your way to tell people how good they are. Um, These are just, you know, the, the knight in shining armor of the beer world. All right, Jeff. Do you know what you want to pick this evening? I think so. I think I know what you're going to pick, but I feel a little torn. I think I got it. I think I know. Okay, I got it. There you go. Three, two, one. Storm Chaser. Black IPA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Storm Chaser. (laughs) All right, so this one, does this have a good name, or should it just have been called a Black IPA? All right, so they threw me off because I saw Lake of Bays, Pumpkin Ale is just called that, and then mine says Black IPA at the top, same place it says Pumpkin Ale. So I was thinking um, it was, they were just a brewery that calls the beer what it is. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Zach pre-show, I like beers that call it what it is. And then I also like beers that have really funny or clever names. It's the in-between where they get uh, into trouble. And obviously, you know, it's a little subjective. But I mean, by virtue of making the choice that you're going to name the beer something that you think is funny or clever. You are like making a marketing decision. It's interesting. Whereas I think uh, if you just name the beer, what it is, that's the safe route. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've, it's interesting that this brewery has done both here. They've gone the safe route with their pumpkin ale and uh, decided for something that maybe is supposed to be a larger part of their like product line. They've decided to name it something. Uh, Storm Chaser, by the way, I think is uh, fine. Yeah. It doesn't really like... If you were just like, hey, there's a beer called Storm Chaser, I wouldn't think that's got to be a black IPA. That's that's good. You know, I'd say, okay, what is it? Um, so to me, it's a bit generic. It might have something to do with Lake of Bays. Maybe there are people that chase storms there. That's like a thing. Then then I can understand the name a bit more. Um, but I haven't read the back of the can, Zach, so I can't know that. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> fine. Uh, what is it? With blueberry, grapefruit, and kiwi notes. Didn't get any of that. Whoa, didn't get any of that. I thought I, I, thought I was going to say chocolate because I, I felt like I got chocolate. Oh, well, that's what I, I was expecting that for sure. Yeah, dark malt doesn't say chocolate, but yeah. Um, there you go. No, I... Uh, Yes, I think I, I agree with you. They did the whole name thing. Um, Storm Chaser seems like it's okay. Um, yeah, if they just called I, it, I, the, just fine. I, I didn't buy this because it said Storm Chaser. I bought it because it said Black IPA, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah. But these are fun. I, you know, obviously Black Ales or Black Lagers are something that I'm really interested in. And I, some of our favorite beers we've had are Black Lagers. And so having a, yeah. um, a black IPA is just always a lot of fun. 
being able to mash two different flavor uh, profiles together. So it, it, it always gets a little bump up because of that. And if the market was saturated with black IPAs, maybe I would feel differently about this specific one. But uh, for the time being, I think it's quite nice. And I, I liked it. Yeah, agreed. Um, there's some amount of like style points here, like novelty. Um, because, you know, black IPAs are definitely a style, but they're just not that common. Mm-hmm. And so exactly what you said, if I'd had, if I was having one of these every week or every other week, different black IPA might have different things to say about this. But, uh, for me, this was like a refreshing change to the IPA playbook where for me, for me, I thought it was chocolate, I guess. No, no, it (laughs) does say, no, no, sorry. It says chocolate wafer, tiramisu and faint pine. So you're, you're, you're correct. There is Oh, well, I was about to say, I was also detecting some faint pine. Oh, yeah. And some tiramisu. <laughs> but, uh, <yeah. laughs> as well as the blueberries in the kiwi with the grapefruit. And, and I wanted to correct chocolate to chocolate water. Um, no, wafer, but, wafer. Yeah. Chocolate wafer. <laughs> <laughs> That's an F, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but uh, <laughs> I I agree. I mean, like some of those things, like obviously, are in here. But I'm expecting chocolate from a, anything that's dark and black like this. Coffee and chocolate notes; those, of course, go together. Um, but it didn't feel super weird with like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you're out there thinking that like a black lager and an IPA don't really fit well together. They did it right here. It was it was good. It, they could have been clashing. What from what they're telling me on the back of this can, it seems like it would be really clashing. And it doesn't. It seemed really smooth right. and nice. So that said, I think I'm gonna give this a platinum. Yeah, it's for sure platinum. I don't know. Lake of Bays is like a a brewery I don't drink very often, but in my mind is fairly platinum gold. And like that's that's the realm that I'm thinking. Yeah. For just the brewery, and this one seems fine. Speaking of gold, let's move on to the uh, pumpkin ale. Yeah, I let's bury the lead. It's uh. Or not bury the lead. What is it? Is it bury the lead or not? Bury I don't know which way it works. But. Do you bury it in the conversation or you don't bury it because you say it right up at the front? But this is a gold for sure. Um, I feel like burying the lead is when you hold the important information for later. Right, exactly. So I'm not burying the lead by saying right now. Right? Yeah. I'm unburying, I'm yes. digging up the lead is what I'm doing. Uh, or you never buried it in the first place. <laughs> it was going to be buried, but I dug it up. So then, <laughs> uh, but no, this one is uh, of the pumpkin ales. I said this before the show started. I've been drinking a lot of pumpkin ales recently. I want to find more. Um, I want to find the best one. I, I do enjoy that, but Jeff doesn't like them very much. But I'm glad you gave this a, a gold. That's good. I thought it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. I it it's definitely not exceptional, and I th- I've said this before. I'll say it again. Pumpkin ales, uh, I think they're best when uh, there's some pumpkin puree, but mostly the notes in it are all different pumpkin pie spices. Nutmeg, you want vanilla, um, any of those uh, cloves and things. Get those holiday Thanksgiving spices in pumpkin pie in the beer. With a little bit of pumpkin, then you'll be good. Um, yeah, I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. This tastes like kind of like synthetic pumpkin to me for some reason. Even though I'm sure it's real, it's just like has that I don't know, like fakeish, like pumpkiny flavor. 
of uh, and not much else just a little flat maybe i don't know there is one uh, by great lakes that is definitely because i had the one from great lakes recently this one's significantly better that's why gotcha I'm, so so that's why it doesn't feel as off to me i'm like oh, okay this this feels much better um but i also know ones that are a lot better than this one as well so that's why it's for sure gold keep searching out there um if you can find, if they made it again, the Flying Monkeys one from episode three, that one is still one of my favorites. It's 10%, but it's delicious. Dear God. I don't remember what it was called, but it was so good. Yeah. And it's not that I don't like them necessarily. It's that they get such disproportionate height. I've never had one that I thought was really good. And then it's always like, oh, great, fall season. I get to have pumpkin beer. It's like, do you even like this? Or is this just like a thing? It's I think just it's a thing. And so it's like fun to be a part of. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I've never actually had like a pumpkin beer that I was like really liked. And then next season was excited that that's going to be back. The one I shared with you, uh, that's the only one I've been so excited for. And I, it, it hasn't been back. Yeah. It hasn't been back. Or I would have, <laughs> I would have bought one and brought it to you and be like, "We're doing it again. Every year we're talking, we're drinking <laughs> yeah. this beer. It's the ten percent episode where we drink the pumpkin beer from Flying." I was been waiting for that day. I know, I'm like Zach's gonna make me drink it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that's my mini rant about pumpkin ales. Um, they're fun, but this one's uh, they 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 are very hit and miss. Yeah. You can get some really horrendous ones. Um, so, you know, pumpkins, eh. maple, always run away from maple anything. Don't ever eat, drink something. I was going to say, it's not like banana beers where not only have I not had one that's good, they've always actively been bad. Yes. It's not like that. No, it's like, but, <laughs> not like that. Or like spicy beers that like almost are always bad. Oh, they always suck. Yeah. yeah. So it always sounds great. I'm like, ooh, jalapeno beer that I cool. love those two things. And then. <laughs> no so stay away yeah. those those are the ones there you go banana beers oh peanut butter beers almost always bad sometimes oh, yeah sometimes you get a good one that peanut butter and jelly one we had sorry now i'm just going on a whole tangent about the beers we've drank <laughs> but banana beers peanut butter spicy maple maple is the biggest ones so so peanut butter beers are kind of like magic 30th anniversary where it's almost always a waste of money but occasionally you hit the jackpot and it was worth it (laughs) i just don't really see a world where i actually think it's worth it to spend money on that product though so it just always feels like i'd rather have Uh, it's just for resale value right like it's uh, i don't know i feel like it's like buying a lot so it's like buying a really expensive lottery ticket and then with the winnings, I buy peanut butter beers. To- Honestly, maybe you don't <laughs> open the packs. Yeah. And you like just them. maybe the packs are going to go up in value. It's like a, it's like purchasing a stock. So you spend $1,000 to get a box and then you sell it when it triples. You just don't open mm-hmm. it. Don't open it and wait a while. And then maybe that'll sell for like five grand in a few years or something. There you go. At Magic 60th. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> So I feel like I need to throw this in here. Uh, not financial advice. Yeah, this is we don't we don't. <laughs> the only financial advice we have. In case that wasn't clear. Yeah, our financial advice is play Magic Arena and draft a lot. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, let's go to closing time because we've had a nice long episode. Uh, 
but I always love them. Um, if you want to talk to us about our episode length, you can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You may also find us on MTG Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. We'll probably be playing Rogues. You can find me personally at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? I have a Twitter account. It's at BluesBruzMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. But if you want to get a hold of me, much better way is to find our Discord channel and message me there. I'll be regular Jeff on the Discord channel. Yeah, not only that, but you'll be able to look at his deck list because he doesn't post those anywhere else. Uh, it seems he could, he's not like bound to only post them at the discord, but he just happens to only post them <laughs> at the discord. Um, yeah. Uh, you please leave us a review on Apple podcasts and iTunes, anywhere you can leave a review, uh, even the napkin next to your drink at a bar, just write a review for us. That, that's just, it's, who knows who's going to read that? It'd be really helpful. You know, actually, that might be the most successful strategy. That'd be sweet. <laughs> Imagine being like, oh, I got I found your podcast because I like was cleaning up the trash from my job at, at a bar. And this guy had written a really nice review for you. Just said, do you like magic and beer? Arena regulars. That should be our <laughs> our, our entire thing. What, what, like, let's get rid of everything else that we've ever written about the thing. Do you like magic and beer in like all, all caps? Arena like regulars. a Venn diagram. Yeah, likes beer, likes magic. magic. Arena regulars in the middle. That we make. We need to make shirts, Jeff. This is amazing. <laughs> it's perfect. Get started on that right now. I, you have all the work to do because you know how to do Photoshop things. Um, can do. <laughs> do any of those things. I don't know. I, I, got, I lost track at some point. But uh, anyway, this is, this is the Arena Regulars podcast. <laughs> Reminding you that while the new dual lands and shadows over Innistrad might look fancy, they're really just snarls. Good night. All right, that's fine.